We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 1125. If you're listening to this on the audio version of the podcast or 344, if you're listening to this on the video podcast, we have a very special simulcast for today's episode because I am joined by two very amazing people. First of all, the one and only Perry Goldstein, who usually joins me every other Sunday, but this isn't her normal Sunday, which doesn't matter. You don't care. She's here anyway. I'm super excited about it. Perry, how are you doing? I'm great. I obviously can't get enough of you both because I just left Green Bay and here I am podcasting with you the very next week. The, well, we couldn't get enough of you either. We're happy to have you back on. And we also brought with us the famously talented and one and only Rachel Hotmeyer from NBC 26, sports reporter, Packer extraordinaire, awesome person. Rachel, how the heck are you doing? I'm doing great after that type of intro. Can I wake up to that every day? That's the type of hype I need. Yeah, you can. 365 days a year, you can wake up to our podcast. It's great. And you can listen. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but thank you both so much. Uh, I'm super looking forward to this episode. Um, the podcast has been called by many. And by that, I mean me, the greatest Packers podcast of all time. And I think this is going to be our best one yet. But we actually have a decent amount to talk about. We, of course, just had a Jets preseason game. We had some press conferences on Sunday that had some noteworthy items. We've got another roster cut down coming on Tuesday. So plenty to discuss today. But Rachel, I want to kick things off with you. You were in the press box for the game. I just want to get your thousand foot takeaway from what you, if you could take away anything from that just glorious, wonderful game that we got to experience. Um, I really loved the energy that comes with the combination of both Bankert fighting for his roster spot and giving Getsy the play calling duties. I just think, you know, the energy of going for it on fourth down two or three times in a preseason game is pretty fun. Obviously, we can't ignore those challenge flags, but this is really now that we're down to three preseason games instead of four, you know, that type of crunch time is even more condensed. And we see so many position battles really starting to shape itself out. And like Mo Drayton said today, you know, this will be a lot of timing and decision-making for how we're going to figure out the starters, not exactly roster cuts even, but like solidifying those starting five or who's really taking those punt returns. There's just so many decisions to be made in such a shorter amount of time that it's fascinating to see it go faster. 
Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Was there a specific player of those matchups, whether it be along the offensive line, kick returner, punt returner, that you felt really helped their cause on Saturday? I love seeing Stokes against Corey Davis, and we've seen him obviously take those one-team reps plenty of times against Jair, against so many. But again, seeing it in the game, I think really continues that trajectory for me. He hasn't really fallen off. He's taken these strides, and even when he does take a step or two back, he puts his head down and keeps grinding. And I think that so far has been a really positive, externally seeming linear progression that I think it should be a really good sign for everybody. Um, you also can't deny TJ Slayton. I mean, the kid's getting to work. We all know consistency is going to be key in terms of his playing time this season, but it is awesome to see the big man eat. Yeah, I think that rookie class is going to definitely be a takeaway from this. But Perry, I know you're going to probably want to talk about Eric Stokes because you are cornerback extraordinaire 1A. But what were your <laughs> takeaways from that game? Yeah, I mean, I won't reiterate, Rachel, but I completely agree. I I think that there's nothing like real game time reps for someone like that. And very rarely in preseason, do you get to actually go up against a one receiver, right? And so obviously Zach Wilson is trying to get on the same page with his guys. So they had their starters out there. And luckily for Stokes, he got to go up against Corey Davis. Um, I think separately for me, uh, obviously the depth behind Amos and Savage are is a big question mark. But to be quite honest, with Vernon Scott out and not playing, Enos Gaines and Henry Black um, really showed that they, I think they both deserve a roster spot. I don't know how many uh, safeties they're going to keep, but they led the game and they led the defense and tackles. Um, they come in the game and they immediately make an impact, especially gains. And so I don't know if the Packers are just very good at scouting undrafted talent or are just very good at um, developing their secondary players. But I'm really, really excited about those two guys. I think the other takeaway for me, and, you know, it's hard because preseason this year has been shaped around Jordan Love. What does Jordan Love look like? So when he doesn't play, it can become somewhat disappointing. Um, I also, I found it pretty enter a pretty entertaining game regardless. Um, and the one thing I noticed for sure, and I think we knew this, especially if you're sort of plugged in, you both are at practice all the time, but all of the running backs had pass catches and were thrown at. And to me, like that's obviously going to be a really, really, really key feature for Matt LaFleur, but it's not just about AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. It's about everybody behind them, Patrick Taylor, Dexter Williams, whether they make those catches or not, you're going to have to see the running backs do that in this offense. Um, and all of them showed up. All of them had catches. Um, obviously, Kylan Hill looks like the immediate number three, which is really exciting for a, sec- a seventh round pick. Um, but yeah, they're going to be involved in the passing game. Can we talk about Kylan Hill for a second? Because as you guys know, I've been geeking out over Kylan since A, I watched his tape, since B, he showed up mini camps, OTAs, training camp, and looks legit, legit. Now, again, we never crown anyone until they do it on Sundays. So we'll, we'll re, you know, reserve as much judgment as we possibly can until we see him do it against the best of the best. But every once in a while, a, a player comes along and you can just kind of sense something, right? You can sense a natural talent. You can sense he has it right. And it didn't take long for Packer fans to realize that Aaron Jones was that type of player when they picked him in the fifth round. In fact, I would actually argue that the fans seemingly knew before Mike McCarthy knew who did not want to use him at all in games. And I think it's still going to be very tough for Kylan to get action, of course, behind Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, but we know that that's a position that gets nicked up quite a bit and you never know when you're going to be thrown into the fray. And the thing that's surprised me most and Rachel, you've obviously been at practices as well, but he's gotten so much time with the ones because of course, Aaron's had that injury. AJ's had an injury, um, nothing serious, but they both missed time with team activities. 
Kylan Hill doesn't miss a beat, whether it's been in pass protection, whether it's been receiving out of the backfield, like you just mentioned, Perry, uh, whether it's just been running the football inside, outside. He's done all of it well, which I think he showed on tape, but it's still such an amazing thing to see for a seventh round pick. Especially when you consider that he did take off all of last year just to prepare for the draft. You know, he is really, if Aaron Rodgers wants to talk about efficiency and maximizing that, here we are. He is making the best of every single rep he can. And I really think it is a good thing for not only him to be placed in a system that's going to be emphasizing that type of versatility, ground game and pass catching, but he's doing it behind A.J. Dillon, who's been hungry for those same types of opportunities. He's watching guys just like him, even at a higher level pursue those same schemes and that same type of game. So when you have that going for you, even if it's not on the Packers, I mean, this type of implementation into the league is going to be huge for building the foundations to Kylan Hill's NFL career. One of the like such a more complete rookie running back than I think I've seen in a while. And it's not even just that he's doing all the things you mentioned, but like his vision and the way they used him, they got, you know, AJ Dillon, basically trucking down the field and they put Kylan Hill in, in the red zone and he can get in there. He can shift around guys, but then he knows when to put his shoulders down and just truck through someone. It's, it's pretty impressive. And I think very, very soon, everyone's going to be asking like, how did this guy fall so far in the draft? I think that's questions are already starting to get asked. And I think the other thing that I wanted to point out about running back as well in this entire group, we know that, you know, Aaron Jones is now going into his second contract, but for a superstar, maybe superstars a bit strong, but a star running back like Aaron Jones, he doesn't have the usual wear and tear that a guy going into his second contract did partially because as I mentioned, Mike McCarthy, didn't use him a ton in his first couple of seasons, but also green Bay has been very smart with them the last couple of years, Jamal Williams getting a lot of those carries as well. But secondly, you look at the rest of those guys on the roster, AJ Dillon had a hundred touches ish last year, like total. Um, actually, I think it was a like hundred snaps. It wasn't even touches like a hundred snaps right around their total. Like he's completely fresh. You've got uh, Kylan Hill who again, basically outside of, I think three quick games at the beginning of the year, didn't play hardly any snaps last year. Dexter hardly played any snaps last year. Patrick Taylor didn't play any snaps last year. So regardless of how this shakes out, and my guess is either Dexter or Patrick will get back in the practice squad, maybe even both, regardless of who they end up running with, we know Aaron's going to get his, but this is a completely fresh group of running backs. This is not a, a, a trio of backs who is just running to the ground and you're trying to get any last carries out of them. I really like that for a running back group that has that sort of youth and depth and versatility. It's, it's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the fact that they are all still fresh, the Packers want to keep it that way. You know, we thought last year was going to be a balancing act between these three talented backs. This year, they should probably go into that with that same mindset to keep those legs fresh, to make sure if AJ is really taking on as much as Jamal did last year, how do we keep Jones and Kylan rotating? You know, what can they all handle in terms of ground game, pass game, like we've already said. So it is going to be as equally precarious of a balancing act, I think. And I think that's a good thing. Perry, we were going to say something. Oh, well, that's cool then. But I think, you know, especially to your point, Rachel, 17 game season, that extra game, just again, having that depth and being able to spread out those carries. I know everyone like last year, like the second quarter, every game would come and everyone would be like, what happened to Aaron Jones? Well, like that was like the, the quarter that they gave the carries to Jamal Williams, kept him fresh for the second half, didn't pile on, you know, a ton of touches to him. But again, I think that's why Aaron Jones is in such good shape and not just running to the ground. Like we've seen players like Zeke Elliott uh, amongst many of Todd Gurley, et cetera, where they just got run into the ground. And, you know, by the time their second contract came, they just, they didn't have anything left. Before we jump over to the quarterback, because I think Kirk Benkert's worth talking about here in his performance. I do want to quickly talk about the offensive line because my concern in this game, 
that first game, the offensive line looked bad. And now all of a sudden you're going with a really a number three quarterback in Kirk Bankert. You're sitting 32 guys. If that offensive line would have performed poorly again, like that could have been a very ugly game, like 42 to nothing jets because the, the offense just would not have been able to do anything. They performed much better. And of any group that I think if you could have asked me ahead of the, ahead of the game for the players that were playing in this game, which group do you actually want to play well? Unequivocally, I would have said offensive line because whether it's Ben Braden, whether it's, you know, Yash Nijman, you know, fighting for a spot, you know, all, all those guys, the, the rookies, Royce Newman, Josh Myers, you guys know the names, but uh, John Running Jr., you wanted to see those guys take a step. I thought that we saw that. Perry, what did you see from the offensive line on Saturday? Yeah, um, not my greatest strong suit is uh, scouting out offensive line, but my biggest takeaway was that when you took Josh Myers out and you put Lucas Patrick in, I thought the play declined. And that says a lot, again, like rookie eye, so not my thing, but I do really think that like Josh Myers is very impressive and that potentially, and we'll probably get to this, like I don't know where Lucas Patrick fits into this offensive line if he's not going to fill in at center, which is what everybody kind of felt like he would do. Um, And I think more than anything, just impressive that a rookie, honestly, this entire rookie class, like this was the rookie class game, same with Royce Newman. Um, The Packers are very potentially going to get really, really quality snaps out of like six of their rookies this season. Um, And that's pretty incredible for a team that tends to do the whole draft and develop. We expect nothing out of them for a couple of seasons uh, philosophy. I think that's a good point. Rachel, did you uh, see anything from the online? I was, and I, it, this is good. And this is why Perry and I work together because that is where I do tend to pay attention. So we compliment <laughs> each other, you know, Perfect. I'm still liking what we're getting out of Ben Braden. Um, I think he's been nothing but a positive addition. And I think he has been really receptive when I see him in practice to implement things in the game. Um, obviously, you know, whether it's Royce Newman's misstep or Kurt Bankert's misstep, that's still a miscommunication. And as everybody says, there's everybody has to be on the same page. So that still needs to be worked out. But again, that's an understandable kink in the game to me. That is what preseason is for to work those types of snaps out. Obviously Josh Myers is impressive. The man plays up to his size so well. It is impressive as an understatement to see his entry into the league like this and be so prepared for this moment. I'm, I'm honestly excited to look back on this in a few years and hope that it was a good personal adjustment for him. Um, I think Yosh really does a good balancing act on the other side too, but I do also see steps that need to be taken in his game as well. But again, as we all know, it's, it's Lucas Patrick that really needs to step up the most because this class that could be our starting five, six, um, he's just not there. And it's interesting to see from a guy who's been in this system. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it's been honestly one of the more surprising and, and actually disappointing aspects of this offseason so far because I thought Patrick, you know, listen, he's, he's never going to be your Pro Bowl caliber, caliber right guard, right? But he's always been steady. And there's a lot of value of that, especially when you can play left guard, center, and right guard. And I actually thought when he played left guard last year is when he really struggled. And when he was at right guard, he played much better. But overall, you know, when you have that player who played that well for you all last season to now come in and just seemingly, have, I don't know whether it's not like losing a step. He's not at that age, right? But just something feels off. I think that's been one of the more disappointing aspects. But on the flip side, is it weird that this very much could end up Josh Myers at center, Royce Newman at right guard, two starting rookies week one? And I'm not nervous at all about that. Like, I'm sure there's going to be some potential miscommunications we saw. And it was funny because uh, after the game, uh, Matt LaFleur was much more of like, hey, Kurt's got to get out of center quicker. And then today when he talked or Sunday when he talked, it was more of like, yeah, uh Royce literally stepped over the center's like position, like, you know, so it was, it definitely sounds like it was more on Royce, but uh, overall I was really impressed by Royce Newman in this game as well. There were a couple of things second quarter later in the game that he could have cleaned up a little bit, but you watch early in that game where AJ Dillon was running, there were a couple of really nice runs right behind Royce Newman. I, I'm excited about those two rookies and I'm, I'm not afraid at all of going into the season with potentially two rookies at those two spots, which seems crazy. Well, that's exactly what Brian Gudikins wants to hear. So good. Um, you know, they made these moves and they clearly felt confident enough in them. I really do think that with the draft moves they made this year and the amount of O-line depth they've been working toward for the last few years, even when you see Lindsley go, this isn't a surprise. You know, it's maybe surprising based on what we've seen happen in practice now be implemented in the game. But these are moves that should be resulting in these types of game decisions. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think that makes a ton of sense. We do need to talk about Kirk Bankert, though, because this was the Kirk Bankert game. This has been a really great story uh, all throughout, really since he signed with the team. He has he has adopted the Green Bay Packers in a way that I'm not sure almost anyone else has quit, has adopted the Green Bay Packers so quickly. Like the fans, what Paul Brettel and him are having barbecue together, which is just beyond amazing. Like the whole thing has just been so crazy to watch. But all of a sudden, he goes from like a complete mostly afterthought when he signed to starting and almost playing the entirety of this third or second preseason game. Rachel, I'll start with you. What were your Kirk Benker takeaways? I, when I see these types of like hero character stories like this, I, I really cared in the post game, you know, emotionally, what was this night like for him? Because quite literally barely anybody else in the world will ever relate to that experience. And like I said, the energy behind his enthusiasm gets his play calling tripping twice on a 19 play drive. Again, I don't know if anybody in the world can ever relate to that type of moment, but the moxie that he had to go for it and truly say, this is my best stage I'm ever going to have. And I, it's all or nothing. I was really impressed with the energy he had behind throwing the ball, because I do think what he possesses, is what LaFleur criticized from Love last week when he said he needs to just sling it sometimes. I don't think Kurt's afraid to just sling it. And that, for me, is reassuring to see in a quarterback. That's what you want in your third stringer because he's ready to go every single time. Now, I will say, LaFleur still said, as of now, he doesn't see him overtaking Love for that number two job. We have to see how this injury plays out, obviously, because that will determine the path going forward. But if this shoulder thing does linger, how can you rule that out? And LaFleur did say, I'm not closing the door, but... As of now, he says that love has shown more in practice than Bankert's resume. Perry, what about you? 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think Banker has less to lose, if that makes sense. Like, like Love is thinking more because he has to. And I know that, yes, he should sling it more. He should rely on his instincts a little bit more. But he also has, like, the entire league's eyes on him. And I think that may, may play a factor, whereas Kurt is QB3. You know, this tape could maybe be used if another team don't want to put this out into the universe for Packers fans, but wants to pick him up. You know, this is like his best shot to maybe be QB two elsewhere where the depth isn't as good, but he definitely has like a lot less to lose. Therefore he can kind of just go all in. He looked great from for, for a QB three. Right. And he is such a amazing story and he's really like ingrained in the community, which is lovely to, because he said it even in his presser, right? He's like, I'm, I'm probably never going to see the field. So this was my game. This was my shot. I went out there. I enjoyed it. Um, and he did it for all the other guys, especially on the offense, who do have something to prove to potentially actually make this 53-man roster. And so he gave it what he got for them as well. At least that's my assumption. Yeah, I agree with you. And I want to start by saying this has been, I think, one of the coolest stories of this entire offseason so far has been Kurt Benkert and, and again, how he's really embraced the Green Bay Packer culture, Green Bay as a city. Like, it's been so fun to watch. Um, I'm going to be a little bit of the the jerk here, though, and say, like, it was it was interesting to me because and Perry's not surprised by this at all. Uh, neither is Rachel, I'm sure. But it was interesting to me, like all these questions after of like, oh, is he is he pushing Jordan Love for the number two or is like, is he now going to make the 53? If anything, I viewed this game as the opposite. I viewed this game as a really nice performance as Perry literally, like literally just said for a number three quarterback, like that's what you're kind of hoping for. And I'll, I'll say this, there is a little bit of Jeff Garcia and maybe I'm aging myself with that reference a little bit there, but there's a little bit of Jeff Garcia in his game where Jeff Garcia wasn't the greatest athlete in the world. He wasn't the greatest arm in the world. He just had sort of a way of going about things and finding receivers and slinging it down the field without fear running around when he needs to. There's a little bit of Jeff Garcia in his game, but when you're looking at a quarterback like this or a guy like a player in the back of your roster, that's going to make that 53 is maybe like a red shirt guy, a guy that you're not expecting to play everything that you're looking for in that situation is upside. And ultimately at the end of the day, Kurt Benkert's in his fourth season, 26 years old, not a laser rocket arm. There's there, there just lacks that overall upside. And unfortunately, and again, I'm, I know I'm being a little bit of the jerk here though, but unfortunately you release Kurt Benkert and you can find another Kurt Benkert is I guess kind of what I'm saying here. Maybe not the, the guy, maybe not the embracing the culture, but from a pure player standpoint, it's really tough to me to justify a 53 man roster spot on a player like that. When you need potentially six wide receivers, four tight ends, you know, maybe five five or six safeties. Like there's so much depth on this team elsewhere. Yeah. It's really difficult to, to make that. Now I think he's a very strong shoe in for the practice squad, assuming he doesn't clear waivers. And I think that's a great spot for him. And Rachel, as you mentioned, if all of a sudden Jordan loves shoulder is just not up to par, then yeah, you probably have to keep them for those first couple of weeks and then kind of make a decision after that. But uh, Tom Moore has my, one of my greatest quotes of all time that I can't say in its entirety, but they were asking why they didn't give more of the reps to Peyton Manning's backups when the, you know, when he was in Indianapolis and he said, if 18 goes down, we're effed and we don't practice effed. And at the end of the day, if Aaron Rodgers goes down, if 12 goes down for the most part, you're effed. you still have Jordan love. And maybe there's some punters chance there and some other stuff. But if you get to Kirk Bankert, you are effed effed. And he actually might be even worse in the fact that, if you're FF, you almost want to lose and just get great draft capital. And he actually might go out and win you a couple games because he just has that sort of moxie. And that might be the worst thing that you want actually in that situation. So 
I, I, I love the story. I love the person. I think it's all cool. I hope he makes the practice squad. I hope he goes out and kills it. I just don't see it as like this competition for Jordan Love or even this potential 53-man roster spot. I didn't think people in Green Bay even entertained tanking. This is the news to me. It, they don't, but it's... They it's, don't. <laughs> they don't, not at all. But it's, a, it's at least a noteworthy item nonetheless, for me at least. But uh, am, I, am I wrong in my takes? Am I right? Am I just a jerk? I don't think you're wrong because you're absolutely right. There is just so much depth on this team that that is the defining characteristic of how we're going to cut this down from 80 Tuesday to 53 in less than 10 days. So the issue is if that depth wasn't there, if Jordan Love didn't have a shoulder injury, I think this guy would be a shoe in for the 53. It's perfectly fine to keep three quarterbacks when you have that. But now the Packers are even looking at keeping seven receivers. There's just so many questions to be had here that like we know, Aaron Rodgers wants weapons. Kurt Bankert is not a weapon. Aaron Rodgers wants people he can throw to. And that's where they need to prioritize the depth for this last dance. Hoorah. A million percent agree. Perry, I know you will gladly tell me I'm a jerk if I'm a jerk. So no, you're not being a jerk. You're being a realistic jerk. It's fine. Um, (laughs) No, it's true. I I think Rachel hit the nail on the head, right? Like Kurt Bankard at the end of the day is not going to help this team win football games. If all goes as planned, like you just laid out and it's never a problem to have too many good options to choose from. But right now that's what the Packers are facing with a lot of really important positions. And so you kind of hope that he clears waivers and comes back on the practice squad and you get to, you know, keep the cold hero, the fan base legend around. But at, yeah, if you're looking at this from a purely like football standpoint, you don't want Kurt Bankard on the 53. I think that's fair. Totally fair. Well, I appreciate me only being a realistic jerk. I will take that every day of the week. Um, we did have some in, you know, interesting press conferences. Uh, Joe Barry, Matt LaFleur, uh, Brian Gutekunst, uh, amongst others, spoke on Sunday. I think the most noteworthy item of that was Matt LaFleur talking about Zadarius Smith, saying that this could be something that lingers in and that he may not be available week one. It didn't seem like he said it with necessarily a whole level of conviction. I think anytime you have a back injury, right, like those things can linger for you never you don't know how long. Right. So I'm sure there is some concern that that could linger into week one. But while I think this Green Bay team can certainly survive a, a Saints team without a Zadarius Smith, uh, a serious or even lingering Zadarius Smith injury certainly would be cause for concern regardless. Uh, Perry, what were your thoughts on, on hearing that today? I feel like the Packers training staff in general are really, really cautious, which I appreciate, especially with guys like Zadarius, Jordan Love. I mean, you want them to be cautious with everyone, but especially the ones that are very, very important to winning football games. And like you said, if he's not there week one, okay. You know, I kind of think about this, like when Kenny Clark went down early last year, like you want to be as cautious as possible because this is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, But back issues are kind of a different animal. And for a guy like Sedarius, who's aging a little bit, like leaning on that other end of where you don't want to be for an edge rusher, it's somewhat concerning, but it's just because you want him healthy because when he's on the field, he's incredibly impactful. Um, And I know that this is probably not helping his chances for the extension he wants so badly either. You know, he wants to be out there because playing is the way you get paid. So I have a feeling that this is, there's like some weight to this and they're holding him out because they really don't want this to turn into something worse than it is and keep him out for longer than he needs to be. Um, but again, I just, I usually chalk it up to just the Packers training staff being like very, very cautious with their players. I yeah, think you can all- underline this situation too, with the fact that Randy Ramsey's also on IR, like th- there's some real weak spots. This went from deep to not real quick. 
Um, you know, obviously Rashawn can move around and stuff like that, but at least typically actually showed some flashes of potential this weekend. That's like maybe the only bright spot fans have to look at right now, but otherwise th- this just is just another shuffling amongst the linebackers. Yeah. I think that the concern here, right. is like, you probably feel pretty okay with Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith as, as potential uh, edge rushers here, but the depth there, no, you know, Jonathan Garvin, Tipa Naliai, Chauncey Rivers, like those guys just haven't been totally up to par as, is like guys that you'd want on the field. And I think that is definitely a, a slightly more concerning than even the, the injury disease, because those guys are going to have to play snaps. And right now I don't think they're, they're up to that. So that that's absolutely a concerning aspect of this as well. Um, let's jump over. Let's switch gears entirely. Donald driver softball game. We had it on Sunday. Rachel, you were there covering it. Well, give us uh, give us the the down low on the Donald Driver softball game because we we need to hear the highlights here. It was a fun time. Um, unfortunately, Donald Driver's team lost terribly to James Jones' team, but it was a good time had by all. The weather was beautiful. It was really cool to see the stands packed with green and gold. I definitely lost count of the amount of Driver jerseys I saw. <laughs> um, Donald Driver held a press conference before the game and. I took it as an opportunity to ask him anything and everything. Packers business decisions, thoughts on the crowded wide receiver room currently, Devontae catching up to him. And he took it all. I mean, what better guy who's still so invested in his hometown franchise because he this is his adopted hometown to be talking about the current situation with the Packers. And at the end of the day, you know, he, he's always going to be that invested in this team because, like you said, in 1999, this entire fan base embraced him when he didn't even know anybody here. So it's cool to see a guy that's so passionate about their market. That is like, those things are always so ridiculously fun. And you love that, you know, there's so much of this goes to charity. You love seeing James Jones, Donald driver, all these guys come back together. Who was the uh, MVP of the game? Do you, do you know, was there an MVP? No, I don't think they named it MVP. I mean, we were literally at like 33 to 25 in terms of a baseball score. You should see the box score. It was ridiculous. The guy had to forward it along by saying, please do not try and actually interpret this, but this is technically the score. So I'm pretty sure we had one inning where one home run counted as 10 just to catch up. It was a mess. Um, but listen, it, it's just so cool. And fans are cheering. James Jones took the mic for half the game just to, you know, make fun of everybody on the field. <laughs> like what's not to love. It's a bunch of guys having a good time. Yeah, for sure. And if, if you've never had a chance to get out to one of those, definitely do. So they're a ton of fun and obviously go towards a good cause and just seeing some of those guys play any sort of sport again when they back in the area is always, always fun. So always great to hear that. Glad you were able to cover that. Let, let's close up shop today. That's obviously our feel good story. Now we have our maybe not so great story. We definitely have some roster cuts coming up. We got to go from 85 to 80 on Tuesday, then 80 to 53. Before we get to that 80 to 53, we have that five man cut on Tuesday. Of course, none of us are wishing anyone to get released. We would love all 85 of the players on the roster to go on to have hall of fame careers. Unfortunately, that's usually not how it works out Perry who are you thinking might be at least in the running to be in that group on Tuesday do I have to actually like name people you don't have to name people where, where, I mean if you don't okay. want to name people where are like positions that maybe yeah keeping an eye on where this could kind of come from I'll be the jerk on this one again I'll, I'll name people okay cool. name them left yeah. and right nice um really just because there are a of course you could go through the depth chart here and kind of pick out the guys whose names you haven't heard at all and just kind of assume they're going to be cut. Um, To me, I think my biggest question coming out of practice and the preseason game 
um, both games are just the inside linebacker group because right now, presumably, you have five inside linebackers that have some role right now on this team and not even including, you know, some of the other depth inside linebackers that they have stashed away. And they all kind of play a different role or at least have some upside, et cetera. And I'm, I'm, I'd be hard pressed to think that the Packers keep five on the roster. I, I, that seems high for them, but you know, Devondre Campbell hasn't played at all. Chris Barnes is going to start. You think those are going to be the main two. Kamal Martin made some plays in the second preseason game. You really glad to see him healthy. I think he has tons of upside. Obviously they drafted him. They love him. And then you have Oren Burks and Ty Summers who, while they may not give you the most when it comes to defense, they're like your leading guys on special teams. And for a special teams unit that looks, I'm sorry, horrible, um, you want to keep those two guys around as well, but you don't want to keep anyone who's just there for special teams. So there's just like a lot of questions for me about the inside linebacker group. And I'd be really, really curious to see what the Packers do in terms of like roster spots there. Rachel, what about you? See, and I completely agree with you that there, there's just so much that still needs to be figured out there because like we've seen a 73 yard return, I think is unacceptable for special teams around here. So <laughs> To me, I think the first unit that has to go is wide receivers. And I hate to say it because Juwan Winfrey was on such a hot, hot start, but I think he's going to be soon to be cut because of just the potential and upside we've seen throughout elsewhere. I don't know how Funches hasn't played himself in at this point. And I, and I think he deserves it with his resume, with his standout performances at games and at practice. I think he's earned it. And I'm bummed because I really thought Juwan Winfrey was making a name for himself and hopefully yeah. it's made a name around the league. But I think this might be the week you start chipping away at that receiver room. But what yeah. about Malik Taylor? Because then you watched Malik Taylor yesterday and he looked great. And that was my other thought too, is you think you want to keep Funches. Obviously he's a vet. He's played in a Super Bowl. Like he brings so much more than any of those other fringe guys, but it's so hard to look at a guy like Malik Taylor, who was on the roster last year as well. And who looked pretty good yesterday. And that could really come down to interpersonal decisions. We know yeah. it's not just one person making these decisions. Maybe someone really likes their chemistry. Ask Aaron Rodgers maybe this time which one he, he would like to keep. Maybe that could help out a little bit, unlike maybe a season ago. But anyway, um, just kind of going through really quickly here. I, I do wonder if maybe the J.J. Molson time is up and maybe you just give, you know, kind of J.J. or uh, Mason Crosby, excuse me, uh, that last week just to kick. If you want to save his leg, you know, if you don't want him to kick off, just onside kick. I don't know, whatever. Have him squib kick. Like, there's a lot of different ways you can save his leg if, if you know, because let's be real, Mason's probably not getting cut. I also think that wide receiver room, I could see a Chris Blair, Juwan Winfrey going on an IR, you know, released in, with an injury designation. You know, Jacob Capra, Koi Kronk, you know, maybe one of those guys, and maybe like a, a Ray Wilborn, someone like that, who are, are just having, you know, real uphill struggles to kind of make this roster. A lot of this is going to be, you know, are there any of these guys they want to try to sneak onto the practice squad. And if so, they probably want to keep them around a week longer. I think the interesting thing with this is as we get down to 80 players now, remember it's a 53 man roster, but a 16 man practice squad, right? So like once you're down to 80, if you can get 16 of your own guys back, you're only losing 11 guys. A couple more of those guys might go on IR. Like you could you know, realistically end up with all but like eight or nine guys back on your roster, which is crazy to think about. So that last cut down is certainly still most important, but um, this one, uh, this one may actually have more impact when it comes to, you know, who doesn't make the practice squad and things like that really quickly. We got to get going here. I know you guys uh, are insanely busy people, uh, but I'm going to say three names, Devin Funches, Lucas Patrick, 
and who's my other one? Uh, Tyler Lancaster. Really quickly, Rachel, which of them ends up making the final roster? Funches. Okay, Funches is the one. All right, Perry, what about you? I'll go with Tyler Lancaster because defensive line depth is also still questionable. I'm going to say that none of the three make the roster. I'm going to say all three. That was an option? <laughs> yeah, you can say, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm awful explaining. I thought this was yes. rock, paper, scissors. Sorry, uh, I guess I would have had to go with the other one. But I think I think Patrick's contract is complicated. I think Funchess's contract, I think you can get Malik Taylor for less and, and potentially get some of those other guys back in the practice squad. And I think Jack Heflin is Tyler Lancaster, younger, more agile, strong. Like, I just think you've got basically a better Tyler Lancaster who's younger and cheaper. So I think all three may end up being gone. You guys are absolutely amazing for doing this, both audio and video. Thank you so incredibly much. Rachel, where can we find you on Twitter and where can we find your work? At Rachel Hopmeyer on everything. And if you're in the Green Bay area or not, you can watch at NBC26.com. Thank you so much, Rachel. Perry, where can we find you? Just follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find all the things there. And of course, our rival hated podcast, the Packs What She Said podcast, which uh-huh. is also yeah. absolutely amazing. So make sure to check that out as well. For Rachel Hotmeyer, that's Perry Goldstein. If you're not following the Packaday podcast already, make sure to do so. If you want to give us five stars and like us or review us or subscribe on YouTube, we would be forever indebted to you as well. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.